took me until I was about 28, 29 years old to have the light bulb moment that I'm an entrepreneur. Up until then, it was this crazy, scrappy 11 years of trying to figure out what the hell I was. I'm your host, Dave Knox, and this is Predicting the Turn, a show that helps business leaders meet their industry's inevitable disruption head on. Welcome to another episode of Predicting the Turn. Today, we're going to jump into the entrepreneurial side of things as we sit down with Gino Wickman, who is the founder of EOS and today is the author of the book, Entrepreneurial Leap. Gino, welcome to the show. Thank you. Glad to be here. Awesome. So I want to start with your personal journey as an entrepreneur. At 25, you took over the family business, which at the time was deeply in debt. And then you led it to this pretty remarkable turnaround where you sold the business seven years later. What inspired you to jump in into such a difficult situation also so early in your career? Yeah, so there were a lot of factors. I got involved in the business when I was 24. And I got involved in the business because I just had such a passion for what my dad had created. It was a sales training company in the real estate industry. I had taken all of his training prior through his partner, and I just really fell in love with the impact they were having on the world. And so I quit a six-figure real estate career to go make 25 grand a year working in that company just to work my way up. And when I turned 25, about a year and a half in, I had worked my way up through the organization very quickly. And so I worked in almost every aspect of the business and I really learned the business. And that's when I discovered that unfortunately the business was in dire need of a turnaround deeply in debt and was frankly imploding. And so I really felt I could save it. And so when you say what inspired me, you know, it was a passion for that business. It was a desire and a burning desire to save my dad's company And so I went to him once I saw the whole picture and I said, you know, dad, the company is insolvent and it's going out of business, but I believe I can save it and gave him all the facts. And long story short, he handed me a check for a hundred grand and the keys to the business. I replaced the prior president and went to work on the turnaround and uh, was able to turn it around in about three years and got it growing nicely and very successful again. And, And it was certainly helped by having a great visionary father, but also what he had built had such a strong foundation. But it was a wild and crazy time. And I think the other you know, reason was pure ignorance. <laughs> I did not realize what I was about to take on, but uh, I had a ton of energy and a ton of passion and just really saw clearly what needed to be done and grabbed the reins and did it. So that uh, wild and crazy time, as you describe it, that experience is what led you to create the entrepreneurial operating system, or what many people simply know as EOS. Can you tell people, what are the principles at the heart of EOS? Yeah, and and just one little data point there, you know, when when you say that led me to create EOS, that was certainly a big, big part of what made me create EOS. But it was also, I was a member of the Young Entrepreneurs Organization, also known as EO, or now known as EO, the the Entrepreneurs Organization. And I was surrounded by fellow entrepreneurs. And so between that turnaround experience and between getting to know my fellow entrepreneurs and meeting with them every month, I just saw this need. And I realized, you know, that most entrepreneurs are pretty screwed up and, uh, and they're wild and crazy people. And I just saw an opportunity to really help them run better businesses. And so that was the light bulb moment for me. And so after selling the business, transitioning the new leadership team, 
I set out to help entrepreneurs. And, you know, I wish I could say it was this, it all sounds so simple when you look back. I wish I could say it was this perfect light bulb moment where I saw it all. But the reality of it is when I took that leap into helping entrepreneurs, it really took me five years to put the finishing touches on what is now known as EOS, the Entrepreneurial Operating System. That's a great clarification. So when you look at that, uh, what EOS is, what are some of the main principles that really encompass it? Yeah, so it's, I mean, it's to really put it in a nutshell, my discovery was that as I looked at all these businesses and worked with all these entrepreneurs and listened to all of their problems and continued to prescribe solutions and test tools and make tools and, and, and refine tools, I kept seeing all of these issues come back to really six key areas of the business that needed to be strengthened, which came to be called components. And so I decided to call them key components. And so to answer your question, it's the six key components is really what it all boils down to. And it's all about helping that organization strengthen the six key components of the company, of the business, of the entity. And so those six key components are the vision component, the people component, the data component, the issues component, the process component, and the traction component. And to the degree those are all strong, an organization will fire on all cylinders. And then what I did is I created a handful of tools for each one of those components and how to strengthen each one of those components. But at the core, it's all about taking that holistic approach of solving all those problems at the root by focusing on those six key components. So today, there are over 70,000 companies that are using the components of EOS worldwide. Why do you think the concepts of EOS have really resonated so well with entrepreneurs and business leaders? I think, you know, as I think about that, um, I, I just believe that it's simplicity. And so what I have the ability to do, and then you'll see this in the conversation we're going to have about the book, is I just have an ability to see all of these moving parts and simplify things and then make it very practical and turn it into practical tools that are very usable. And so I think at the, in its simplest form, it is its simplicity. And, and a great analogy that would help is, you know, so when I look at a business, I look at a business as an entity. And, and you heard me talk about taking a holistic approach. And it's a holistic approach to keep that to make that entity healthy and keep it healthy. And so if you think about the human body as a correlation to that, you know, that the human body to the degree it's healthy, it grows. And, and if you think about, you know, if you eat well and you sleep well and you exercise and you take care of your mind and, and these types of things, you know, you're going to be healthy. And if I gave you the simplest way, most practical way you've ever seen to take care of all of those aspects of your body, you jump on it and it would probably perpetuate. And so now let's go back to EOS and what it does for a company. You know, there are thousands and thousands of books. There are, is so much information out there. What I've done is I've just simplified it all for a small business, 10 to 250 people privately held is typically the sweet spot there. I just basically created something that's so incredibly simple, simple to implement in your organization. Again, it takes work. Simple does not mean easy, but they're really incredibly simple tools that are very intuitive. And I think that's really what has helped perpetuate it for now almost 20 years. 
So you mentioned your new book uh, a moment ago there. So you're an accomplished author. You've written five books before this one that are all around the world of traction and EOS. But this new book that you've written, The Entrepreneurial Leap, is very different. Uh, this one is actually really about devoting your time to the front end of the entrepreneurial journey and helping entrepreneurs in the making get a huge jumpstart on taking this entrepreneurial leap. What really caused you to have that as the path that you want to focus on with this new book? So, um, you know, if we go back to the creation of EOS and I look back on my career, it's been almost 30 years now of this obsession around what makes companies run well and, and how to help entrepreneurs be successful. And so in the last 20 years, it's been a focus on them perpetuating solving that problem and helping and writing these books as you've talked about. Well, so that's been a focus on helping an entrepreneur run their business. Well, when I was 40, I decided when I turned 50, I'm going to devote my energy to the front end of the entrepreneurial journey. And so what I'm doing is now that I feel like I've created what needs to be created in running a business, and my partner and I actually sold EOS Worldwide last year, I'm devoting energy now to, like you said, the front end of that entrepreneurial journey. I'm now taking this experience and now helping entrepreneurs in the making, first of all, determine whether or not they are entrepreneurs, and then helping them to take a better leap. And the truth of the matter is, I'm teaching my 18-year-old self. There's an old saying from Daniel Kennedy that says, we teach what we needed the most. And so I'm teaching my 18-year-old self who was lost and confused and insecure and a mislabeled derelict and really giving that person a jump start because it took me until I was about 28, 29 years old to have the light bulb moment that I'm an entrepreneur. Up until then, it was this crazy, scrappy 11 years of trying to figure out what the hell I was. So many of the folks who listen to Predicting the Turn, they're innovators at Fortune 500 companies and other big businesses that oftentimes have contemplated making that entrepreneurial leap, but maybe haven't made it yet. What advice would you give to them to figure out if they have the traits to really make that leap? Yeah, so what you're speaking to there and, and how I really feel I can help is the first part of this book. And I, we're going to actually go into some detail here because I want to make sure that we teach some things here to your audience. And so Entrepreneurial Leap, I wrote it in three parts. And so part one is confirm, part two is glimpse, part three is path. And so what you're asking about is part one. So confirm, what confirm is all about is first and foremost, helping that entrepreneur in the making that's trying to decide if they are an entrepreneur. It's helping them confirm as to whether they even are or they aren't. And what I strongly believe is I believe someone who is an entrepreneur, a true entrepreneur, has six essential traits, and I'll quickly share them with you. They are visionary, passionate, problem solver, driven, risk taker, and responsible. And so to answer your question and answer that person listening's question, am I an entrepreneur? It's answered in simply deciding, do you possess those six essential traits? I believe you're born with them. I believe they can't be taught. I believe they've been with you forever. And there's also an assessment that they can take in the book. It's also on the website, but there's an assessment they can take in the book to then fill it out, get a result, and just get some clarity around whether they are. And so for that whole first part of the book, I'm going deep into those traits to help them decide for themselves are they entrepreneurs and is entrepreneurship right for them? 
Building on that, I want to talk about entrepreneurial range, as you call it. In the book, you make the case that freelance side hustles or even running a single franchise don't really fall under those definition of being an entrepreneur to you. Why do you draw that line in the sand? Yeah, I love the question. It's such a great question because I don't I don't consider it a line in the sand. I co- I consider it more of an awareness. And so, you know, when I use the term true entrepreneur, and it's kind of fun because what I'm about to share with you, this entrepreneurial range came to me during a fierce debate in a Starbucks with a college professor of entrepreneurship, a, a dear guy who we've become friends over the years, love this guy, and, and, and I've spoken to his class. And anyway, long story short, what I realized is, you know, again, what I'm speaking to with this book is true entrepreneurs, and that's the people that are possessing these six essential traits we're talking about. And so the entrepreneurial range works like this. If you picture a range, and on this range, everywhere on this range, are self-employed people, okay? And so if you picture the far right end of the range, on the far right end of the range are what I call true entrepreneurs. And I'll come back to that in just a second. On the far left end of the range are what I call self-employed people, okay? And so on the right end, true entrepreneurs, these are the, if we go to the far right end of the range, red line that range, these are the greatest entrepreneurs of all time. Henry Ford, Walt Disney, Thomas Edison, Oprah Winfrey, Sarah Blakely, Elon Musk. These people are all redlining that range. Well, on the left end of the range, these are self-employed people. While still admirable and respectable and they're taking a risk, these are typically solopreneurs, freelancers, someone who purchases one franchise location, like you said. So there is no bad answer. And you can still be self-employed if you don't have these six essential traits. It's just a question of where you're going to end up on that range. And it's a cautionary tale because what I'm saying and what I'm teaching and what I'm trying to help is I'm trying to help someone who thinks that they're an entrepreneur in the making or wants to be an entrepreneur because right now everybody wants to be an entrepreneur. I'm trying to help you clearly understand. And and if you are and you possess those six essential traits, you're probably going to be more on the right end of the range is my only point. And if you don't, you're probably more on the left side of the range or maybe being self-employed or an entrepreneur isn't even for you. So it's an awareness tool. It's not drawing any kind of a line. It's not a pass fail. It's strictly awareness. Talent is a big part of predicting the turn. And as we talk about talent, I wanted to mention one of our sponsors, Hunt Club. Imagine the power of the best marketers in the world helping you to find your next marketing leader. That's the power of Hunt Club. Hunt Club is a new category of talent company that powers the network of experts, connectors, and business leaders to help you find the best talent. Let's face it, recruiting hasn't changed with the times. Hunt Club is changing the recruiting game by leveraging technology and crowdsource referrals to find you the best people possible for your company. Stop paying job boards that don't work or recruiting firms that recycle the same active candidates. Partner with Hunt Club. I love that. That's a great kind of way to define it and put it together. So thank you for that. So one of the goals you've talked about with Entrepreneurial Leap is giving people a glimpse of what it's really like. And in the book, you talk about the eight critical mistakes that you most often see in entrepreneurs. What are those? 
You bet. And, and so just to create a little context around the answer to this question, again, now we're moving to the second part of the book, Glimpse. And the whole design behind Glimpse is to, once that entrepreneur confirms that they are, I then want to show them all of the possibilities as an entrepreneur. And so there are countless stories of entrepreneurs who were right where they were and what they built. I then get into all of their options because there are so many options when you factor in industry, company, size, B2B, B2C, product business, service business. And then what I share is a day in the life of an entrepreneur. And I show them worst case and best case. I show them the dream and the nightmare. I show them heaven and hell. And so I show them a day in the life And at the end of that teaching, I show them with the nightmare scenario, you know, a day in hell, which is what most entrepreneurs live. I show them how to avoid living the nightmare. And what I teach and share are the eight most common mistakes that I see entrepreneurs making when they take their leap and they are all avoidable. And so I can I'll give them to you at a very high level. And if you want to drill down on one or two, we can. But those eight most common mistakes and critical mistakes, as I call them, are not having a vision, hiring the wrong people, not spending time with your people, not knowing who your customer is, not charging enough, not staying true to your core, not knowing your numbers, and not crystallizing roles and responsibilities. And is there... Of those eight, is there any one that you see most common that jumps out? Or no, it's it's a great question. And you know, just like the six essential traits, people will ask, is there one that's more weighted than another? There really isn't, you know, one mistake that's more common because frankly, almost I would say most entrepreneurs that take their entrepreneurial leap make all eight mistakes. And so that's why they're they're most common. And where they stem from is all of the companies I've worked with through the EOS process. When they come to us, they come to us very frustrated, scratching their heads, hitting the ceiling because they have made all of these mistakes. And so there isn't any one that's more weighted than another, but I, I will speak to one that they're all, I mean, they all are so impactful, but you know, not charging enough is a fascinating one because- It's a psychological issue with most people that they don't charge what they're worth. And most startups fail, obviously. Everybody knows the statistics. And one of the big reasons they do is they just do not support themselves from a cash flow standpoint. And sometimes they're simply losing 5% every year. And so losing 5% every year, you can only sustain that so long and you're going to go out of business. Well, if you increase your price 10%, all of a sudden you go from losing 5% to a 5% profit, and and that makes all the difference in the world. And and so with that, I've helped so many clients decide to raise their fees. They do it seamlessly. And so it's psychological, and I would leave your audience with two thoughts. First of all, there's an amazing Casey Brown video. It's a TED Talk. She's an expert on pricing, and she gets to that psychology, and it will be transformational for your listeners. The other is a great quote by Dan Sullivan, a great entrepreneur's coach, and he talks about pricing, and he says, when you think about your pricing, pick the number that scares the heck out of you and then add 20%. So so the point is people just don't charge what they're worth, and those two little nuggets will help, and they'll truly make the difference between staying in business and going out of business. That's perfect. 
So you discussed that entrepreneurship is something you are, not something you do. And you're frankly born as, a, as an entrepreneur. What do you mean by that? And why is, why is that such a strongly held belief? Yeah, well, it's, you know, and it's very controversial, you know, so I don't know what the percentages are, but I'm guessing it's 50-50. But, you know, there's people that believe you can learn these traits and there's people that believe you're born with these traits. And I happen to be one of the people that believe you're born with these traits. And so I believe it's nature over nurture. And and so assuming that's true, and this is just one man's opinion, uh, then that says, you know, it can't be taught. And if you look at successful entrepreneurs, at the end of the day, it's really what they are. It's not what they do. And, and there's two points to that. Number one, I get concerned when people are trying to teach this process, this system, this way to become a successful entrepreneur when there isn't one. Because the reality is it's a person with these six essential traits that has an idea, takes a leap, gets their ass kicked for 10 to 20 years, and emerges a successful entrepreneur. And that getting your ass kicked for 10 or 20 years, there's you can't explain what's going to happen. And there's so many variables and factors that you cannot create one system and one size that fits all. And, and so that's why I say it's just not something you can do. And it's it's concerning to me because I feel it does damage when somebody's teaching, you know, here's this one size fits all way to launch every business and it works every time because an entrepreneur is just figuring it out literally every day, every week, every month, evolving, moving, tweaking, adjusting, and then ultimately enduring and surviving a hell of a ride. So relayed the follow-up to that is, you know, entrepreneurship's become a pretty popular major at a lot of universities across the country. Yeah. Uh, and you mentioned your good friend is a entrepreneurship professor. So what's the role of that program? If you can't teach it, how are those programs meant to help unlock that entrepreneurial potential or should they not be there? Well, I can't tell you about all of them because I don't know about most of them. And frankly, I really don't know about any of them. I'm not even sure what my friend's teaching, quite frankly. I just I came in and I was a guest speaker for his audience. So, you know, I believe there's definitely a role. And I believe, you know, just like what's laid out in this book, in path, the third part of the book, it's, it's showing a path. And so I believe it's more about teaching awarenesses and milestones and stages, as I call it, and giving an opportunity to get hands on and test and try things. So, you know, I don't hold myself out to criticize all of the entrepreneurship programs going out there because there are a lot of good ones. I hear great things. I just get a little bit concerned when, you know, they're taking someone who doesn't have these six essential traits and really doesn't, is not genetically encoded to do this and saying, if you just do this, you'll be a successful entrepreneur. That's, you know, that's deeply concerning to me. And it, that's exactly actually why I wanted you to get at, because I think you know, right now, a lot of entrepreneurship is you're raising your hand to want to do entrepreneurship. But I do a, a lot of speaking to these classes as well. And what I find is a lot of them aren't prepared for what that journey is going to be. So what I love about Entrepreneurial Leap and you writing it is you're actually forcing somebody to ask those hard questions of, do you have the traits that are necessary for you to do this journey? So I'd actually love to see it actually be the 
the admittance to getting an entrepreneurship degree is you better have the traits or else it's it's not going to be the right path. Well, uh, I'm biased, but I, I support that idea. So and with that, you know, I want to say one more thing there that's so important because it's not like, you know, I'm trying to create this elitist thing that says, here's the only way to get in the club is if you've got these six traits, because entrepreneurship is not all it's cracked up to be. It's really hard. And, and I, you know, and I'm not understating it when I say you get your ass kicked for 10 or 20 years. So again, it's not all it's cracked up to be. So I'm just giving a cautionary tale so that these people that aren't genetically encoded for it, don't make the mistake of living a life of hell for 10 years because it's a lot of pain, certainly for a lot of gain, if things work out, because you're going into something that has a 50% chance of succeeding at best. Without doubt. So I want to talk about those 10 to 20 years of the roller coaster that really yeah. is entrepreneurship. So on one hand, you talk about that you, know, you have to be careful with taking criticism and doubt from others and to take it with a grain of salt, because there's a lot of people that want to talk and maybe not do. But also that your your first plan isn't going to be your end plan because there's going to be a lot of change or what I call continuous beta kind of in somebody's life. So how do you think about balancing those two of being open to feedback and using that to shape your own beliefs, but also not just bouncing from whatever advice somebody gave you or some doubt that somebody gave you? Yeah, that's so great that you're combining those two things because those are, you know, two of the disciplines I'm teaching in the book. And you're right, they, they go, they're so hand in hand. So I'll start with, you know, and again, so one is, you know, taking advice, take it with a grain of salt. The other is that your first plan won't be your final plan. And so what advice do you take? And when do you evolve? So the first, I'll start with the advice. And what I'm trying to teach with that point about take all advice with a grain of salt and I'll, I'll explain it this way. If you have an idea, if you right now, as the listener, go tell 10 people your idea and ask them for their advice, you are literally going to get 10 different pieces of advice. That's just the way of the world. And so the point is, if you're truly going to get 10 different pieces of advice from 10 different people, that tells you that there are multiple ways to do things. And at the end of the day, you as the entrepreneur certainly have to listen to all that advice, then filter, disseminate, and decide what is best for you, weighing in hundreds of factors. You know, your mission, your plan, your vision, what you're trying to accomplish in the world, your core values, the product, the service. So, so with that, the point is it's on you to decide. And so said another way, those 10 pieces of advice, a lot of times they show up as criticism because if you go tell 10 family members your idea, most of them are going to tell you you're crazy. So you're hearing a lot of negative feedback as well. And so the point is you got to take it with a grain of salt. It's a data point. It's one person's opinion. And quite frankly, it doesn't mean anything at the end of the day. You need to take it in and process it. And there's a story I like to tell on this. And I can't tell you who this entrepreneur is. And I've tried like hell to find where I read this story and, and my fact checker and researcher can't find it, but it's a story of a very well-known entrepreneur. Everyone listening would know this person. And what he would do is he assembled a board of 10 really smart people. And every one of his ideas, he would bring to that board 
And if seven out of 10 people hated it, he knew he had a winner. And if 10 out of 10 hated it, he knew his idea was revolutionary. So if that doesn't say it all, it, you're going to get lots of opinions. You got to take it with a grain of salt. At the end of the day, you've got to decide. You've got to go with your gut. So now with that, and you'll certainly in your life get a lot of good advice. If you go read 100 books right now, you're going to hear them contradict themselves. So at the end of the day, you got to decide. Now let's go to your point about your first plan won't be your final plan because you're going to set out with a plan and you're going to get all this advice and a lot of people are going to tell you you're crazy. Well, again, you've got to take all of that advice with a grain of salt and you've got to make a determination when to adjust that plan. The thing that I'm trying to teach with this particular discipline is it's just going in knowing that your first plan will not be your final plan. I can't tell you when to change the plan, how to change the plan, when it's going to happen, but going in knowing that this plan I'm staring at that I'm so passionate about is going to change is a victory in itself because the danger is somebody who actually thinks they take an entrepreneurial leap with a plan and thinks that that plan is going to be the plan five years from now is probably going to be out of business. So the point is your plan is going to change. Be ready, be agile, be flexible, be nimble, and be ready to evolve. Oh, that's perfect. Well, that's, I think, a great point to end on. I really appreciate you taking all the time. And as we said before the interview, it's been really fascinating the last few years seeing so many of my clients start using EOS and the impact that your system has really made on these entrepreneurs and their startups is remarkable. So thank you all you've done to support entrepreneurship across the globe. My pleasure. That makes my day to hear. Oh, thank you, Gina. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening. If you like the show, hit that rating and make sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. And for more resources, head over to predictingtheturn.com.